You're listening to the Vineyard Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit vccmountcomfort.org. Good morning, everyone. I'm Chuck. We're in part two of In the Light. Um, if, if you remember, that's in 1 John uh, chapter 1. Last, last week, we just did a couple of verses, and, and the primary verse at that time was, God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. And so we compared light and dark. But the main thing was, we really celebrated that our walk in the light, that we, as a body, with, the, with God as our head, have a, we are a family, the, the head of the family is our Lord, and we're a family. We really talked about that, and that's really, it was exciting. That was the first thing that John mentioned as a result of walking in the light. Then we also mentioned that we celebrate the forgiveness of, of our Lord, the power of the blood of Christ, and that his blood has sealed us in an eternal covenant and bound us by the love of God. So, so today, we're kind of, it's actually an extension of that second half. Um, we're going to do verses 8 and 10. Amen. So there's probably one up on the screen, if you, or if you have your own Bibles. It says, If we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Now, as I mentioned last time, we have a lot of these if statements. Well, we've got three of them here. Uh, by the way, if you want to, you can translate that word if to like suppose. So if you suppose you say, that's a good, another example. It's one of those type of, of uh, words. Um, and notice again, John is using the word we. So that indicates it's an area where believers are subject. And I bring that up because some people think this only applies to original sin. And actually, it's almost the opposite. He's trying to let people know it's, it, it goes beyond that. And the phrasing of verse 8 is extremely important, especially in light of verse 10. Verse 8, it says, it, to have sin. So if you have something, that's an expression that's, far more distinct and personal in your own experience. So to say, I have sorrow, is deeper than to be sorrowful. So to have sin is far stronger than to say, or to say I have no sin, is far stronger than to say I'm not sinful. Because one is about an act and one is about who we are. It's the formation of our mindset. And it's from that mindset the action flows. It's, it's this state of sin from which it's difficult to find freedom on your own power. The verb tense indicates that the influence is continual and could become a part of your inner person. Now, see, this differs from verse 10, because ver verse 10 says, we have not sinned. Because, see, this is the effect of one having sin. And you know what? You can hide it the best you try, but it always seems to show up. That's why it says, he says, you're, if you don't think, if you think you've held it inside, you're a liar. 
And so we can't, anyone who's ever been to celebrate recovery finds that out. That what you thought no one knew about you, everybody already did. So it's kind of fun in a way. The other thing is to understand the old or the ancient Near East, their view of sin is kind of important. We, we talk about missing the mark, and while that is true in a military setting, it's kind of an archery thing, or maybe a spear, the word for sin is hamartia. And in common usage in the Greek, it was referred to the fatal flaw or tragic downfall. And it was the, specifically in Greek tragedies, they loved dramas, it was that moment when the, when the person, the pro protagonist, made a mistake, he slipped, and the rest of the story was going to be that person's downfall. And that is that turning point. And that's what they, they considered that sin was. In the ancient pagan world, they had a very limited concept of moral sin. Uh, Plato did have, he, he worked on it, with, he had a metaphysical approach to sin as a wandering of understanding. Because he, he based knowledge is good and ignorance is sin. So Plato considered sin the act of an ignoramus. That really hasn't changed, has it? So in, in our life, sin is the tragedy of walking and acting independent of God. F. F. Bruce wrote, and he's a famous theologian, there is something in man, even regenerate man, which objects to God and seeks to be independent of him. Spurgeon, he said, sin drives men mad. Against their reason, against their best interest, they follow after that which they know will destroy them. It, it is not the nature of sin to remain in a fixed state. Like decaying fruit, it grows more rotten. The man who is bad today will be worse tomorrow. So John's saying that we have in us the will to sin, and we're subject to temptation at times we miss the mark. As those who are born again, we now have the power over sin. Now don't miss this. We have the power over sin. So John's not, not necessarily referring to someone who's of a depraved mind or over, him, over whom sin has complete power, because the grace of God has given us the power and authority over sin. But we cannot think we're no longer subject to temptation or, and at, sins, at sometimes sinning. The main warning, warning that John goes to is self-deception. You know, D.L. Moody, most of you have heard of him, after he did a prison, sentence, prison visit, and he held a service there, and his words were, I have never found such an innocent lot of men in my life as in that place. Each man explained that someone else was to blame. See, it's not the absence of sin, but the grieving over it is what distinguishes the child of God from the empty-hearted. In my own life, I've actually talked about this, after I've come to Christ, the one phrase I've never had to use again was wrong place, wrong time. Because I used to blame that on everything else. You know, this concept of de deceiving is a spiritual wandering. And this self de in this self-deception, deception, we really err in a very important way. John's verb tense is an active verb. It's called an active voice in the Greek. 
And it's a willful choice to veer off the course. It's a willful, willful self-deception and it's willful self-persuasion. We go through this. Sometimes we refuse to hear the truth and we'll deceive ourselves. And the Holy Spirit loves to work on us. And, I, and please don't get all beat up on this. I kind of included verse 8 and verse 10 there because verse 9 is my favorite. But anyway, I just want to go over Psalm 51 because David really addresses this issue. For I know in my transgressions, my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only, I have sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you are justified when you speak and blameless when you judge. Behold, I was brought forth in, in iniquity, and in my sin my mother conceived me. Behold, you desire truth in the innermost being, and in the hidden part you will make me know wisdom. Purify me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Notice verse 6. That's my favorite part of this whole thing. God's desire for his truth to dwell in our innermost being, in our hidden parts, that's God's desire. The next time we're together, I'll, I'll go over more about truth. But just as a preview, in chapter 2-5, it's defined as the love of God being perfected. That's what he considers truth. The love of God being perfected. So we have to understand this deception forms a barrier to our love, um, love of God actively dwelling in us. Yeah, sin is the great tragedy of the human experience. But God, verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And this, and this is really where this sermon is going to land. The confession of sin is therefore one of the evidences or proofs of a new creation in Christ. Our hearts feel the breaking. And we cannot be casual. It's not in us anymore. We feel this. You know, the deceived, they treat what I would call your small sins as, oh, it's no big deal. And then they hesitate to even confess the big sins. In the English language, though, confessions, it, it means to own up to the fact of guilt. Um, it's largely a legal application. It's a statement of the truth of the accusation. But biblically, a confession goes far deeper, and it goes beyond repairing the wrong, but into repairing the relational damage that, that was incurred by the wrong. So it includes our hatred and our, of the offense and our repentance. And we always, though, maintain a forward-looking view of God in our relationship. So our confession goes way more than just admitting it. Yes, I was wrong. It's about the repair of the relationship. It's about repentance, to turn our, turn our, way, our way around, to change our ways. So there's more to it than what we do. So, 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 so many of us are just trained to say, I'm sorry, and think that that is done. We haven't worked on the repair. So we kind of got to put that Humpty Dumpty back together again after we've done something. So the second half, though, is not an if statement. And that's the good part. Hallelujah. In God's faithfulness, he is consistent with his character. 
in acting righteousness, he's faithful to his nature. God's faithfulness, he who is the promise keeper of the universe, is an extension of his vast love. He loves to keep his covenant promises. Promises that were extended in love. You know, I try to fulfill my promises, but probably 50% of them are kind of done grudgingly. Oh, I gotta go pick somebody up, I promised them. Oh, I promised my wife I would do this. Uh, but the Lord, he looks at fulfilling his promises as an opportunity an opportunity to keep his pledges. He loves it. He enjoys forgiving his children faithfully. He loves it. But what follows is absolute to me is amazing. God's forgiveness expresses his righteousness. Don't miss this. God's a God of justice, and his justice demands the punishment of sin. His wrath is right and it's just. But we do not engage in a plea of mercy. We do not beg for forgiveness to a wrathful God because God is just and right to forgive because of the wondrous mystery of the blood of Christ. Thus on the cross, the light of the world took away our sins forever by his blood that was shed in his suffering and his death. Now listen carefully. Because of Jesus Christ's finished work, now Justice demands a sinner's pardon. Where mercy begs, justice demands. And you and I do not make the demand. The completed work of Christ, the blood of Christ, calls for and demands innocence. You see, mercy isn't, is, is when we don't get what we deserve. Mercy is wiping the slate clean with a zero debt where there once was debt. Now, I'm going to use an, an example. I'm going to pick Linda. Let's say Linda is now 18 years old. Oh, no, all the electronics just, just disappeared. <laughs> all right, she's 18 years old, and her grandfather had left her money in a trust that she could access on her 18th birthday. Now, she goes to her family attorney, and she begs him, pleads with him, please, can I have some money so I can go to college? And she's just begging him. And her attorney, Rick B., he smiles very gently and calmly and says, Linda, Linda, you don't have to beg. The distribution's already in your account. All you need to do is ask. It's, it's yours. It's been given to you. So as Rick hands her the check, so she can go to Ohio State to get a real education. She sits down and talks to her grandfather, talks about her grandfather. You know, she probably talks about how much she loved that grandfather of hers, how wonderful he was. She starts to give a testimony of her grandfather. You know, how loving and compassionate he was all his life. See, that's how we come to the Father. We know that Jesus has made us co-heirs with him. And our account is in balance. And Jesus, though, is also the trustee of this account. Because he mediates the new covenant. And he's made it right and just for us to be forgiven. And our response is we offer thanks and praise. 
in recognition of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ at the cross and the blood of the new covenant that is sealed in him. We express our love and our honor to him. That's our response. So we're forgiven. And our sin is as far as the east is to the west, which is infinity. You know what? They knew that the earth was round. Who says that not knowing the earth is round? Because you can keep going east and east and east, but if you go north, you got a north pole, south pole. I don't know. It's just, that part, those kind of things get me. <laughs> the sin's wiped away and the record's expunged. But you see what he does next? And this is really, really important for us to pick up, right? what he says here. We're clean from all unrighteousness. God's powerful grace is released, and we are made clean. He washes away the guilt and the shame associated with the sin and welcomes us into a relationship of intimacy and in love. The sinless, perfect life of the incarnate Christ has now been imputed to us by his blood. The life of Christ being righteous and fulfilling every single prophecy that now covers us as the Father looks at us. From all unrighteousness, God will now purify us of the unknown or in our eyes, the unseen filth. Now, I really hope you understand this. This is not like trivial. This is huge, really. And, and I actually went into Rick's office. I said, did you know that it doesn't say that, we, that he's faithful and merciful? He's righteous. And I mean, we sat there and talked about it. I said, do you understand? This means that the Christ from 2,000 years ago, that his death connects us with the God of the end time, and we're in the middle, and he crashes into us to bring us into restoration. A supernatural event happens. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's really the light of Christ and the light of the Father smash into us to bring light into his image and likeness. This is really, we have become partners. When when Peter talks about participate in the divine nature, this is what he's kind of talking about. We really have connected in past, in future, all of it happens here. This is what it means to the kingdom now and the kingdom not yet. Because the kingdom not yet breaks into the kingdom now. And this happens. The kingdom now is established by the blood of Christ 2,000 years ago. And we are standing right here in the middle. This is an incredible moment. For us to come to Christ and beg and plea to forgive sin is actually a denial of the work of his, him on the cross. Instead, we come as family. Remember that word family. We come as family, not as adversary, not in a court of law. We come and sit in the living room of God and say, man, I messed up. We're We're not in court. The faithful obedience of Christ, the righteous one, by his blood, made a demand of forgiveness for all who seek him in humble confession. And the cleansing agent is not the confession. The cleansing agent is the blood of Christ. The the confession is the opening to receive that forgiveness from the cross. You know, in Revelation chapter 7, 
there's kind of a picture that I really love because it kind of relates to this. I'm just going to read it with you. Then one of the elders asked, saying to me, me as John, these who are clothed in white robes, who are they? And where have they come from? I said to him, my Lord, you know. And he said to me, these are the ones who, came, who come out of the great tribulation. And they have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. For this reason, they are before the throne of God and they serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will spread his tabernacle over them. They will hunger no longer, nor thirst anymore, nor will the sun beat down on them or any heat. For the Lamb in the center of the throne will be their shepherd and will guide them to springs of water of life. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Do you see that last verse, verse 17? You've got the Lamb. The Holy Spirit is the living water. Then you have the Father. You have, you have the triune God. And in some translations, they say that the word for wiping away a tear is actually can be the word anoint. A healing anointing with your own tears of God from God. How many of you have ever had a real good cry and you can feel a holy anointing coming upon it? So this is a picture of our, us washed clean by the blood of Christ. The previous verse is actually a picture of Garden of Eden. And so we, this is an end time picture, but we can actually live in a, a place of an end time life in the restoration through Christ. And we hesitate sometimes, I, I, I guess, to seek forgiveness and repentance. And I'm not sure why, because someone who never admitted he ever did anything wrong, when I came to Christ, I saw I had done everything wrong. And I was so glad to find a, that I heard about forgiveness. Then I had to deal with people. They had to still had to get forgiveness there and to do repair. That's when, how I understood what forgiveness the confession actually means. It means I have to get off my roast and, and do some work. And so that's kind of what I learned. I think right now, and for folks at home, I really am going to ask you to, to join us here. I think we have to take a pause here for our own time of confession and repentance before we, have, we take communion. I, want to, I don't want any music played. I want just absolute silence. And just allow us to take time right now and, and, and review. Just think about where we are in Christ. It's really hard for me to talk in front of people, but I have made a confession that I am ready to become a full-fledged member of this church and be baptized as soon as they all come back from vacation and my procedures are regulated. I pray, and I pray for my daughter to get well. Thank you so much for welcoming here at this church. I'm so glad that I've met everyone and you've been here. And Bible study has done everything for me. And I love Chuck with all my heart. <laughs> Thank you very much. Sounds like we got a baptism coming. And we're excited.
Fanny has an incredible, she does not want to be immersed. So we're going to, there's grace for that. Um, so we're, instead we're going to put, put her in a dunking machine. Everybody gets three throws. <laughs> and this crowd will never go down. <laughs> so, you know, it's exciting. So, let's take our elements of communion. As we take it, the host, which represents the body of Christ, let us right now just contemplate that God lived on this earth for over 30 years. For over 30 years, he lived on this earth, perfect and righteous, so that he could impute his righteousness to us. He didn't just come down to earth, be a sacrifice, and leave. He spent over 30 years in a dirty, dusty part of the country in perfection as constantly face-to-face -face with evil for us. And he gave his body for us. So as we take this, we, we, we are confirming part of the, the new covenant of the body of righteousness through Jesus Christ. By the power of his blood, we are made whole. By the power of his blood, we have to, we can, the right of forgiveness has been given to us. We become family by blood. And so as we take this, we're going to re we're re we're reconnecting to the terms of our new covenant that we will, it's eternal. It'll never be broken. That we're always, always the children of God with an eternal hope and blessing in Christ. And we are forgiven in Jesus Christ. Thank you, Jesus. And as we finish up today, and as the worship team kind of gathers, continue to contemplate through the day of your relationship with, with Christ and what needs repaired. What areas do you need special prayer for Maybe it's, your, maybe it's a, someone like me who tends to be a little bit stubborn. Maybe it's uh, someone that doesn't know how to set boundaries. And it may, you've damaged things. May, there may be a number of different things. As God reveals them, w respond in prayer. Respond in time with him. See, see, God's a God of solutions. He's not a God who just wants to point stuff out and go, there you are, there you are. He wants to see you heal so that your relationship with him is cleaner and more perfect than it was before. So don't miss that opportunity. I'd like to just read real quickly from Ephesians 2. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air. The spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient, all of us, also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following in its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were nat by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. 
It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. All things must rise before all things rise. We have been risen up. We have been born again. We have been forgiven and we will continue to be forgiven. We are not, he doesn't ask us to come as paupers and beggars, but as children, as family, not as strangers, but as friends. So we ask you, Lord, to allow that to sink into us today. Allow that to be the reality of our identity of you in Christ, that we never hesitate, that on the spot we can ask for forgiveness. On the spot we seek repentance and on the spot we change our ways whether it be like someone yesterday was on i-90 in chicago that may have gotten a little impatient then my wife goes did you just say that you're a pastor i went i repented you know it doesn't have to be a major thing i was out of step with christ i should have said lord help us through this time instead i was saying Get this guy out of my road. And so we've got to come into our times like this. Don't let this be something to hesitate and we hold in. Release it to the Lord. And what happened is that car filled with peace instantly. Instantly our entire car was filled with peace. And the traffic wasn't moving. It wasn't, nothing else was changing. Other than the atmosphere of the Christ that dwelled in the, between my wife and I. You can live a life like an end time person in the surroundings of Christ. And so I'm just encouraging you today to allow that to happen in your confession, in your repentance. And don't be ever allowed to be ashamed. The enemy wants to turn that into shame. Allow it to be the solution process for every step you take in the walk in the light. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To receive more audio content from The Vineyard, click the subscribe button in iTunes.